This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is bonus episode 289. I'm your host Duncan McLeish. Welcome to the show. Up on episode 289 we are getting down and a little bit dirty as we continue the podcast Under the Stairs 31 of Halloween. We have been uh, running the train, so to speak, every single day, as you guys have been out there as well, picking off a different movie every single day. Now, the podcast under the stairs is slightly different from how a lot of other podcasts do it and how a lot of other people do it. We double down on releases that only came out in the UK this year. Generally, it's used as a mechanism to make sure I have a well-rounded kind of back catalogue of movies I can look over when compiling my top 20 of the year. And we've been doing it for the last three years in this format and bringing you many reviews of the movies on this podcast. So we're continuing that grand tradition on. Last week you got films one through seven. Um, This week you're getting films eight through 16. So yeah, basically the movies that I have covered um, and the intermittent days between them. Now, the movies we will be discussing on this episode are Black Water Abyss, Uncle Peckerhead, Gretel and Hansel, 1BR, The Wretched, Evil Eye, Nocturne, Homewrecker and Possessor. So you're going to get many reviews for all those movies. Where possible, I will try and not spoil them. But if you are at all wary of anything, then yeah, feel free just not to <laughs> feel free to avoid like the plague. Um, and I will. I won't hold that against you. I won't hold that against you. If you don't want to check out anything on this episode until you've seen any of the movies I've mentioned, that is cool, ladies and gents. So that's what's coming up on this bonus episode. Um, in terms of the podcast under the stairs this week, it's been a, a fairly breezy week, hasn't it? We kicked off on Monday with a little bit of Bazoween action as Baz took down Lars von Trier's The House That Jack Built. On Thursday, we continued The Good Times Are Rolling as myself and Derek started a brand new box set series of reviews. We're looking at the American Horror Project, released by Arrow Video, and started it off with Malatesta's Carnival of Blood from 1973. So that episode dropped on Thursday. Today, we're obviously giving you a little bit of bonus action, movies 8 through 16 of my 31 of October, and tomorrow it is the E.T. Films Slasher Classic Collection as we look at Alice Sweet Alice very much looking forward to that movie review. That's one of the few in the collection that I have actually seen uh, and know, know quite well. So yeah, so we'll be doing that one then. On Monday, we return with the Baz for a little bit of Ted Bundy action when we do, was it Extremely Wicked, Vile and Shockingly Evil? 
I believe that is the, the name of that very long movie. Uh, that's Abazi's pick, so we'll be covering that one there. And then next week, we will p- pivot into a series of different things that are coming your way, including another one of these episodes, probably coming on Saturday as well, just to recap where we are. So that is you, all up to date on the Teapots Collective. This weekend, you are getting the final episode of Chronicles Season 3. We're looking at a dark song rounding out our British Hope folk horror series. British Hope? British folk horror series. That does not sound like it should be that difficult to say, but then again, I am Scottish and I struggle with everything. So there we go. That's my cross and I have to wear it. So that'll be dropping today. Next week, you'll be getting, I believe, Opera Omnia. And maybe where to begin with Jallo. I can never remember the schedule of stuff, but there's tons of things coming in the Teapots Collective as well. So I think we're all caught up, ladies and gents. I think we are good to go. So strap yourselves in. Now, with all these episodes that we do with these ones, you're going to hear a promo for shows that I love, and you're going to hear the first trailer for the movie we're going to discuss first, which was my number eight on the list. This is Blackwater Abyss, coming right up right after this. Hey... Feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try... They must be destroyed on sight! The new Podcast Cure-All. Sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation. We have Italian horror. We have zombies. We have slashers. We have crime films. We have spaghetti westerns. We even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, cure what ails you. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. So, this cave. This thing is unexplored. The shaft goes way down. Ready? See at the bottom. What do you reckon? Let's check it out. What'd I tell you? Absolutely incredible, huh? Hey. What the hell is that? The case filling up. The river must have burst its banks. We're gonna be in the water whether we like it or not. No one knows we're down here, right? Does anyone have service? Only a short swim. Out of here. Did you miss something? You cannot get in that What choice do I have? Crocs are territorial. He's not going to be happy till we're all gone. Whatever you do, don't splash. Do not move a muscle.
and welcome back. She just heard the trailer for Blackwater Abyss. This was available on the UK 4th of July 2020, directed by Andrew Tracucci. That's probably not how you pronounce that. Uh, based on the screenplay by John Ridley and Sarah Smith. Um, fairly nondescript cast here. Jessica McNamee, Luke Mitchell, Emily Golden, uh, Benjamin Hutchis, uh, Anthony J. Sharp, Louis Toyo Okada, uh, Rumi Kikuchi, and Anna Kubat. The synopsis for this one is listed on the MDBs as five friends exploring a remote cave system in northern Australia find themselves threatened by a hungry crocodile. So as we're seeing up front, this was a cast commentary, so we screened this with some listeners uh, to get the full-on experience of this particular movie. And I went in with relatively high hopes. The trailer didn't look all that bad. It looked fairly entertaining. And, you know, it's an Australian horror movie, it's got big crocs in it. I am generally on board with that sort of fifera. Um, and I don't know if this is... I believe there is a movie called Blackwater. Um, and I don't know if this is an unofficial sequel. Who the fuck knows where these things are or, what, or what's going on. Um, suffice to say, though, this one is... The first of a few movies in this particular run of reviews which didn't necessarily live up to the expectations that I had. This one fell quite a bit short. Um, The biggest issue that Blackwater Abyss has is it has absolutely no likeable characters at all. In fact, it goes out of its way to make sure that these characters are as repellent as possible and then you have to spend a whole movie with them trying to survive the attack of a crocodile which you really just wish would eat them all viciously there's not nearly enough um kind of croc action in this one at all until near the end and when it does arrive it's a bit silly uh, the croc effects aren't all that great it behaves in a way which crocodiles don't like so like they've got the whole shark thing going so someone gets dragged under and then all of a sudden they pop up that's not how a crocodile attacks um, they, they kind of smear don't they they kind of drag and roll and um, we've got none of that action which was just kind of off-putting in the middle of this story there is a weird kind of relationship drama breakdown dynamic thing going on which does nothing but distract from the story and yeah it just felt like a really cool kind of concept I mean it's playing on things um a bit like Rogue and a bit like The Descent and if any, and even The Cave to an extent and so as a, a good premise people being trapped in an undercave system with a crocodile is a cool idea and then you realise that realistically it doesn't work it all starts to fall apart all they have to do is do certain things to survive it just it becomes a bit ridiculous and then on top of that there's a caveat of these are the most unlucky people ever and that they've went spelunking on the day this massive storm which has hit right at the right time right in the right cave and yeah it, there are so many conceits you have to jump over here for the movie to start to kind of feel remotely entertaining and yeah I, I, overall it, it feels very generic it feels very very cookie cutter and it it didn't give me nearly as much entertainment as a movie like this should be i am fine with big dumb animals run amok horror movies 
there is a back catalogue of those that I deeply adore and I want to watch more and more and more of them. That's, you know, that's your, you go in expecting that, but you need to give me some hook. And there is no hook here. I, I genuinely didn't want to see anyone survive this movie at all. And when characters did get picked off, to be honest with you, I was fine with it. And not in a way where I'm like, yeah, you get your... I just couldn't care less. And the movie is a big bag of couldn't care less for me. Which, like I say, I feel kind of sad about because on paper, there's a lot of this that should work for me. The fact that they're trapped in a cave should be a lot more tense and never feels tense. Um, And then more reveals that come out for characters, which I won't go into because, you know, treading on spoiler territory already. The more that that pops up, the the more I feel like I should care and be invested with characters. But then the movie goes out its way. Like, really, really, really takes a hard turn to try and make you hate them all. And that is ultimately kind of where I was left with this one. Interestingly enough, from the screening that we did, I don't think anyone come away from this movie particularly enjoying it. Um, It kind of got a grades rating from about a 2 to a 2.5. And that's where I ended up. I ended up at the 2.5. For this one, with time being the way it is, I would probably come in with a 2, but I'm going to stick with my grade that I gave it right off the back of the watching, which is what I do when I come to to do these reviews on these shows. So it got a a 2.5 out of 5, so I didn't really like it. I will never watch this movie again. There are a good 3 or 4 crocodile or alligator movies um, that are like 100 times better than this, and not necessarily the same budget or anything less budget but they do more with it uh, like comprise three dimensional likeable characters um, a couple of characters in here would not pass uh, the Bechdel test at all which I'm going to mention later on as well in that they only speak about their relationships and their boyfriends and that is a big issue for me when it comes to writing because what that proves to me is you are a lazy writer that can't be bothered giving women dialogue that makes sense so yeah, 2.5 out of 5, Black Water Abyss. We're going to take a very short break. You're going to hear the trailer for Uncle Peckerhead. When we come back, we're discussing that movie right after this. Band meeting. Six shows, seven days. And what do you guys need a band for? So that our band can go on tour. I can drive, y'all. Every touring band needs a rating, don't I? Sorry, I didn't get your name. My name's Peckerhead. That is not your name. It's tour time. Peck, we gotta move, let's go! What could be taking him so long? Hello? Every night at midnight, I turn into something. Who's to say it wouldn't be one of us next time? I am in complete control. <laughs> Yo! Put your head down so we can get the top of your dome! Yes, damn. And welcome back. So, movie number nine was Uncle Peckerhead. 
This one was released in the UK 11th of August 2020. It's also worth saying in that previous review, it was a screener of um, Dark Water Abyss that I had. The official title is released on the 2nd of November. For those in the UK, it's out on, I believe, DVD and maybe Blu-ray. I think Blu-ray might be a push. I think it's maybe just DVD. But 2nd of November, for those that want to check that out, it was a screener copy that I had. Uh, Uncle Peckerhead, though, this was a purchase, an Amazon rental, and by God, was a chuff that I did this one. Uh, it's written and directed by Matthew John Lawrence. The movie itself stars David Littleton, Chet Siegel, Ruby McAllister, uh, David Bloodbund, Adam R. Brim, Ryan Conrath, Kevin Lawrence, Mike Lawrence, Ruth Lola, Greg Manis, uh, Joey Marin, Maureen McGowan, and Alex McClavey. The synopsis for this one is, when a punk band scores their first tour, life on the road proves tough when they're joined by a man-eating demon as a roadie. So, uh, Dread Central put this one out, and I was curious in that it came out in the States, I think, a couple of months before, and I had heard no one talk about Uncle Peckerhead, but I'd seen plenty of promotion for it, which usually is a sign that, you know, the studio is giving it a push and they're hoping that people will latch on it and join in with the, the, the grossest movie of the year you know a, a barrel of laughs says random podcast man um, so I was unsure how this one was going to go I had a ball with Uncle Peckerhead this is my sort of horror comedy um, firstly I love the the kind of nonchalant way the punk band acts in this and the music's kind of bitching as well, if you if you like a bit of kind of punky music and stuff. Uh, not like the aggressive, like hardcore punk, but punky music then. This one has a lot, you know, to, to glean from it. Also, I used to be in a band many moons ago, and some of these gigs brought back scary Nam-like flashbacks. <laughs> um, so I really enjoyed that aspect. And plus, like, the central, like, Uncle Peckerhead character, the, you know, the man-eating demon slash do-gooder roadie guy is a fairly fucking lovable reprehensible character and you kind of feel sorry for him throughout the movie and kind of grow to adore him whilst at the same time forgetting that he needs to eat people to stay alive there's a conceit about that that I think really really works and a sense of humour that at times is a bit silly and a bit too crass but for the most part manages to toe the line in, in a really good way there is ton of practical gore here. In fact, it's pretty much all practical gore. And there are buckets of blood and entrails and everything else getting flung about the place. There is a um, kind of fecal explosion at some point, which like made me... I, I was drinking a beer at the time, and honestly, the beer came out my nose and down my top. And I thought I was going to die uh, from asphyxiation on kind of coughed up beer because it was so fucking gross and so funny. Um... I think the jokes land really well. I think the cast, for the most part, are really likeable. And that sells it, unlike the previous movie we talked about. I actually do care about these characters. And I want to see them succeed. And that is a big plus in a movie like this. You kind of have to... The way something like Tucker and Dale works is because you're actually rooting for Tucker and Dale. If they were really the redneck hillbilly characters that you would generally see in a horror movie, you wouldn't really fucking care for them as characters. And it's the same in here. Our band are a likeable lot that you just really want to see do well and you want them to, to achieve what they can. Um, 
and you know they're, they're, they're landed with maybe their biggest fan and their biggest hindrance in, in the Peckerhead character which I think just the, the design rate reminded me a little bit of kind of Buffy the Vampire Slayer kind of TV show monster makeup and the cheesiness really worked for me but like I say you get a whole lot of severed limbs entrails buckets of blood uh, shit flying everywhere it's, it's, it's a riot man it really 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 is uh, I felt personally it went on a tad too long I mean it's just under an hour and 40 minutes but at the 1 hour 20 mark I was like right let's bring this one in for a landing and they tagged on another 15 minutes that I don't necessarily think is needed so one of those gig journeys doesn't necessarily need to be in there it's kind of that way when you're playing Guitar Hero and you're like another one of these venues just put me to the boss finale now please um, it kind of felt like that so I feel you could shave off a little bit of this uh, and it would work at a better pace but out with that ain't a whole hell of a lot wrong with this one like I say for the most part most of the jokes landed with me I'd enjoyed the, the, the practical gore I enjoyed the characters thought the script was funny so it delivered in spades for me for sure um, Uncle Peckerhead is available everywhere at the moment specifically if you're in the UK you can get it on um, uh, iTunes and Apple TV and I think YouTube um, for a small fee it's like a couple of quid uh, to, to rent this one out and it's worth it if you're looking for a horror comedy that's kind of gross and kind of funny with a bitch and punk soundtrack then you could do a lot worse than Uncle Peckerhead uh, this movie, yeah, it, it, it brightened my spirits after the shenanigans of the night before. I gave it a 3.5 out of 5. Um, and yeah, you should check it out. I, I, I deliver some stuff, man, honestly, that did make me laugh quite a bit. And that, on your list, you want that. I'm all about diversity in my list. I like kind of mixing things up. Which is why the night after this, I went for something a bit more serious, a bit more arty, and a bit more heady. The next movie we are covering is directed by Oz Perkins, and it is Gretel and Hansel. I'm called Gretel, and this rough one here is my brother Hansel. Tell me the fairy tale again. It's too scary, you know, start seeing things that aren't there. You've been turned out of your home. Set out to fend for yourselves with only your clothes and your hides. I'm hungry. I'm hungrier than you are. Because you're a pig. Look! It smells of cake! over that, dear. I'd hate for you to start something you can't stop. Please make your acquaintance. I'm called Gretel, and this rough one here is my brother Hansel. Ouch! There's something wrong here. But it's so pleasant. Where are all the animals? From where does she draw milk? <laughs> I'm coming. This is your power. To see what is hidden and to take it. We were given the same gift, the same magic. Gretel! 
Welcome back. So movie number 10 on the Saturday night was Gretel and Hansel. Uh, this one available according to IMDb, 3rd of August 2020. Now that's interesting because the movie came out earlier in the year, so I'm not entirely sure what is going on there with that. Uh, this one directed by Osgood Perkins, uh, or Oz Perkins as he's known, who is running a train just now of really, 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 really interesting movies. Um... As a director, I find them kind of fascinating in that, you know, obviously he has a particular style of filmmaking, I think that's fair to say, and, you know, has come from an acting background, like, really rather strange roles in comedies and and, and other such things, Um, but most recently has done the movies February, which was known as The Black Coat's Daughter in the States, Um, he then did I'm the Pretty Thing That Lives In The House and this is his new movie uh, Gretel and Hansel now he's also done an episode of The Twilight Zone um, called You Might Also Like but because The Twilight Zone hasn't officially been formally released in the UK in anywhere that I can see it um, I wouldn't know how good that is but his previous two movies specifically February were the tits you know absolutely loved and you know deeply adored both those kind of slow burn atmospheric horror movies so I was interested to see what kind of take he was going to do with the old uh, Hansel and Gretel tale him tackling a little bit of Grimm's fairy tales it sounds like a match made in heaven and to be honest it really was um, this kind of floored me it's not a particularly long film it's about just under an hour and a half and I feel like he packed in everything in the kitchen sink into this one Um, the movie stars Sophia Lillis Samuel Lutley Alice Krieg who is fucking amazing in this movie Uh, Jessica Degau Fiona O'Shaughnessy Um, and some other folks in here as well. Um, The synopsis for this one is A long time ago in a distant fairy tale countryside a young girl leads her brother into the dark wood in desperate search of food and work only to stumble upon a nexus of terrifying evil. This is maybe one of the most sumptuously gorgeous movies that I've seen this year. Um, The set design, the cinematography, the lighting, dear God almighty... Uh, just rich and and inviting. It's a movie that really draws you in. Uh, I think the cast is fucking incredible here. Alice Krieg as the witch is almost damn near unrecognisable. Um, it's a kind of blink and you would miss her performance. Um, but she's brilliant. Like the, the, the old kind of crone witch makeup. It suits her really well and she performs in such a creepy, nuanced sort of way that I love it. Uh, the central kind of Gretel performance 
by Sophia Lillis, who is an incredible actress. You'll know her as Beverly, uh, Beverly Marsh in both the kind of new It movies, as well as her small stint in the movie Sharp Objects, which I cannot recommend enough. Um, that is a, a kind of mini series on HBO, which blew me the fuck away. Um, and now, obviously, returning to do the the role of Gretel in this one. Uh, Hansel, played by a very young man, Samuel Leakley, who is fine at what he's doing here, but he's not the main character. This is a movie kind of very deeply rooted in in the female. You know, this is a kind of a very pro-feminist movie, which I, I really enjoy, this idea of kind of the way that paganism and to an extent Satanism, but specifically witchcraft, revolves in the, of, of the power of the, the female. And I really enjoyed that aspect about it. And this is a movie as well that gets really fucking gnarly towards the end. You know, you, you kind of occupy this this realm of, and I imagine that no one doesn't know the fairy tale of Hansel and Gretel, and if you do, uh, your parents did not believe in scarring you as much as mine did. Um, it kind of plays out any different kind of telling of the idea of the, the Hansel and Gretel fairy tale, as opposed to the witch not just luring them in to eat them, but kind of taking a different tact, almost as a kind of precursor to create a, a you know, someone to carry on the the gift, the inheritance, so to speak, uh, levied uh, from a predecessor upon the witch. And it's a really, really interesting aspect. Now, I've read some reviews where um, people think that it's rushed towards the end and the payoff is maybe anticlimactic. I didn't get that at all. I, if you once again know what the end of the fairy tale is, this is kind of true to the end of the fairy tale. So... You know, the fact that they grounded that back in, I think, works really well. The Like I say, cinematography is beautiful and the direction's great, acting super strong. The score in this movie, dear God almighty, it's, it's like kind of dark synth, like drones and weird sims and it's incredibly trippy in parts. And it just builds to this very, voluptuous is the only word I can really describe my overall experience with this. This movie fucking floored me. And I'm not saying that it's anything you've not seen before done in a similar sort of way, but Osgood Perkins just appears to be able to just do this with ease and make it feel like, oh yeah, I can do a Grimm's fairy tale. Boom, watch it. To me, it's three for three. I still think February's his best movie because February it was such... Uh, a smack in the face of excellence but Gretel and Hansel is without a doubt one of the best horror movies that I have seen this year it's currently comfortably sitting in my top 5, maybe even my top 3 that's how strong my impression was coming off it, I think it is a fucking thumping good movie and if you've been holding off for this one go and check it out if you're a fan of kind of slow burn horror atmosphere a bit of paganism a bit of folk horror to an extent um yeah this movie is it's kind of fucking incredible if i'm honest absolutely loved it it's a five i can't give it if i could give it more i would give it more a five out of five for gretel and hansel so there you go that was the movie that we covered on the Saturday, movie number, what was that, 
10, I think. That would be movie number 10. Um, which leads us to our movie number 11 on the list. Movie number 11 on the list is 1BR. We take a short break. You're going to hear the trailer for that movie. I'm going to be right back to discuss it right after this. Haven't you been getting my calls? I've been busy. When are you coming home? I'm staying. They put that system in a few years ago after a break-in. Don't worry. Neighborhood's a lot safer now. I just moved here. I don't really know anyone. What brought you to L.A.? Trying to start a new life. Missed one here. Any pets? Nope. You got it. We're neighbors. Hey, listen, we're having a barbecue. You should come. Welcome. We like to make this place feel like a real neighborhood. And we all kind of take care of each other here. Welcome back. So, this one is 1BR. This one here was the next movie that I watched. Uh, so we kicked into this one to check out what all the fuss was about. This is another one that seemed to trend really, really, really well on on Facebook upon its release. A lot of people going, this movie takes a, a wicked turn and it strap yourselves in and, you know, I wasn't ready for this and, like, lots of bits and bobs that kind of flew up with this one. So I was interested to see specifically what this one had to offer because from the trailer, I kind of had a rough idea where it was going but maybe not fully. So this one is written and directed by David Marmor. Uh, the movie stars Nicole Bryden Bloom, uh, Giles Mathy, Taylor Nichols, Alan Bloomfield, Naomi Grossman, Celeste Sully, Susan Davis, Clayton Hoff, uh, Haley Giles, and Andrea Gabriel and Hannah Altman. The synopsis for this one is Sarah tries to start anew in LA, but her neighbours are not what they seem. So this movie's central premise is that this girl's, you know, she's moved into the, she moved to LA, gonna make a new start, moves into an apartment block. Everyone at first seems really caring and considerate, but maybe things are a bit nastier. And before she knows it, she is kind of held captive and being trying to indoctrinate into um, a particular 
way of living within this commune of people. I will go no further than that. Um, I was kind of with this movie to begin with. I enjoyed the setup. I didn't enjoy the end execution and I didn't really enjoy the ending. In a world where a movie like The Invitation by Karen Kusama doesn't exist, 1BR feels like an interesting, refreshing take on uh, societal conformity, uh, groupthink, echo chamberism and stuff like that. In a world post The Invitation... um, this movie feels like a rehash of ideas done better in other movies. And yes, it gets a bit gnarly, and yes, it leans into a bit of mean-spirited uh, torture at times, but it is ultimately unfulfilling. I think when the twist comes, you already kind of know what the twist is, and by the time the ending comes, like I say, if you've seen The Invitation, then the end of this movie is not remarkable at all. If anything, it kind of feels a bit pedestrian. Um, It's shot relatively well. It doesn't look like there was a ton of budget. I did quite like most of the acting here. Uh, The main character of Sarah, played by Nicole Bryden-Bloom, is good. She plays a kind of wounded, needy sort of character that I kind of enjoyed. Uh, Giles Matthew is the kind of counterpart to that and he's an interesting character as well you're constantly trying to work out exactly where his allegiances lie in the movie and Taylor Nichols as the kind of he's the the resident kind of leader of this commune uh, playing a character called Jerry is also kind of interesting I, I quite liked his performance because um, some of these guys have to turn on a whim and go from being nice to being fairly malicious uh, quickly. So I, I, I like the performances. It's the story and the script that lets it down. Characters behave in a way which doesn't really make sense, even with the conceit of the commune that they're in. Um, certain behaviours, and the more you think into the premise of it, don't really make sense either. Uh, I'm sure there's a swipe here at Scientology somewhere in the background, which, I mean, it's hard not to. I'm sure there's, you know, there's a, a bit of allegory in there to do with with that, but it's never really fully formed in a way which feels overtly satisfying. It's kind of touched on, and they never go really any further than a kind of superficial scraping. Um, so there's there's that aspect. I also think personally that there are some issues with the very end. Like I say, the ending is an ending that I've seen done in other movies before and much better. And it kind of leaves it in a way where I was just like, ah, right. Don't know what this, you know, is this Hollywood? Is this what we expect? They're all nutters or what? what? And, and we're just going to leave it here. Um, whereas I think the movie kind of being set in the middle of and then this particular ending being the middle of your movie and following with that character and the, and the after effects would be far more interesting and far more rewarding. Yeah, 1BR was a bit of a, a wet wash, if I'm honest. I, I did still enjoy it, and I, I did still think there was there was things in here that I got behind, but overall, it didn't, it didn't nearly land in a way where other people seemed to pick up on, on things that made it feel original to them. This just felt a bit derivative in parts. Uh, overall, though, I mean, it did give me some kind of gruesome moments. The cast, for the most part, is pretty good. Uh, and it's a well-constructed top thriller um, that I ended up giving this movie a three and a half 
out of five for one BR. I mean, I would definitely check it out if you've got a chance, but it's not one of those ones where I'm like, if there's one movie you need to see before making your 20, you know, the top 20 movies for 2020, one BR is that movie. I would never say that. This is missable. You could catch it a couple of years down the road. You probably enjoy it more than I did. Um, I appear to be in the minority of those that thought it was just okay. Um, so yeah, that's my thoughts on it. Uh, and I'll be interested to find out if anyone really connected with this one because like I say, I wanted to I really, really, really wanted to just, there was just something missing for me that I felt, you know, if I just saw it then maybe I would change my opinion but sadly, it was for naught so there we go right, uh, let's continue this journey on the next movie I watched was The Wretched it's recently been released in the UK on DVD but you can check it out on Amazon uh, to stream etc which is where I watched it so I'm going to take a short break you're going to hear the trailer for the movie when we return we are discussing The Wretched right after this hey what's going on neighbor you see anything weird outside your house you tell me all right dad mom's being weird mom's always been weird What are you doing up here? Don't let her in. My son likes to play hide and seek. Can you bring him down? I didn't say he was here. You're a very stupid boy. Can I help you? He's still at home? Dylan, Dylan, down here, baby. You know, your son, Dylan, don't have a son. He had no idea who I was talking about. Listen to mommy. He's gone. I know it. I'd like to report a missing kid. Are you okay, Ben? Where is your sister? I need you to tell me what's going on. Ben! Welcome back. So you've just heard the trailer for The Wretched. This was movie number 12. Uh, this recently got a release on DVD in the UK. Uh, so you can go and check it out there. But you can purchase it for digital streaming. You know, your usual places. Amazon, iTunes, etc, etc. This one is directed and written by Brett Pierce and Drew T. Pierce. Uh, these guys themselves have done a ton of stuff out there in the world, including some acting credits as well, mostly for shorts. So this is like the first big feature debut, but they got, like, if you jump on their IMDb, there's tons of different casting information for them in terms of what they've done behind the scenes. Uh, the, music, uh, the movie stars John Paul Howard, Piper Curda, uh, Jamison Jones, Anzi Tasfi, 
uh, Zara Mahler, Kevin Bigley, Gabrielle Codelza Bloomgarden, uh, Richard Ellis, Blaine Cockrell, and some other folks in here as well, including Amy Waller and Casey Bell. The synopsis for this one is a defiant teenage boy struggling with his parents' imminent divorce faces off with a thousand-year-old witch who is living beneath the skin of and posing as the woman next door. Um, where did we end with this one? This one, I really liked the look of this one when it, everyone was, once again, talking about it earlier in the year. All of these movies came out a while ago in the States and they're only just really making their way over to the UK. And, and, and you know, I mean, anything with antlers in the picture and I'm fucking there. Um... And I knew very little about it except that it was a movie about witchcraft or a witch and so I was kind of I was kind of keen um, in a lot of respects the trailer to me reminded me of um, it reminded me of the sort of movie you would generally see at a film festival you know usually as that this is the one that's about to come out from not Studio Canal but something like a uh, like fusion media or, or something along those lines. So I was kind of looking forward to seeing where this was going to go. Um, and, I mean, it's fine for what it is. I think it delivers the... If, if you're not used to horror movies before, I think The Wretched has an opportunity to scare the other loving piss at you. I think if you're used to horror movies before, it is, once again, another movie which feels a bit cliched and when it is moving out and doing things that I think they think are original you can clearly point to oh well, that's a bit of this movie that's a bit of that movie that's not to say there isn't creepy bits in here the atmosphere is quite thick in parts which I really enjoyed and I think the acting across the board is really good you're dealing with some kid actors here and I think they all turn in great performances I think the score's great um, cinematography is great setting and location brilliant so there's a lot about it that is really competently done and really well put together. I think the issue is I'm a bit long on the tooth. So as I'm watching this, I'm like, oh, that reminds me of this movie. This reminds me of this movie. And it never really goes far enough for me. Never really gets as violent and as vicious as I'm kind of hoping this movie might do. It kind of stops and that maybe hinders it a little bit. I really want, as the mystery's unfolding, you're getting more information in the, the reveal of the kind of witch next door. There's that kind of rear uh, window sort of aspect going on here, a little bit of disturbing and all the rest, which I really enjoyed, but this time, or even Fright Night to an extent, but this time we're dealing with a witch and we're going to get to the bottom of the mystery and all the rest. It just felt like things I'd seen other horror movies do before and do really, really well. And whilst this one doesn't do it bad or poorly by any stretch of the imagination, and like I say, it has a couple of mean bits in there, it just never really feels like it tries to make the premise its own. And as a result, it just comes across as satisfying, if not, at times, a bit mundane horror movie. Um, I would highly recommend this to people that don't watch a lot of horror movies. I think this will scare the shit out of you. But to me, it just, it, it trundled along and it was fine for what it was and it finished and I thought, oh, that was okay. It's the sort of movie I would shove on if I had friends around who weren't used to watching horror movies. Something like this on, I could sit back and vicariously live through their uncomfortable kind of experience. But for me, it was, it was, it was just fairly run-of-the-mill overall. 
when coming to a grade for this one, it was a three that I gave it. Like I say, it's not a bad movie by any stretch of the imagination. It's a lot better than some of some some of the ones that I've already watched thus far in my thirty-one in terms of budget, construction, acting, script. All that's really good. It just it didn't get me the way I was kind of hoping it was gonna, um, and ultimately just felt a bit run in the mill overall. So a three for this one. Uh, I'll be interested once again, because I know some people really were affected by this one and, and gave it really good reviews. So it, it might just be that I'm a bit too long in the tooth, which is entirely possible. Uh, right, uh, we are moving on. So last week we discussed the two uh, direct to, was it Welcome to Blumhouse is what it's called, uh, the two Amazon Prime Blumhouse TV co-production releases. Uh, those were The Lie and Black Box. You'll know that they scored mm, not great for me. Uh, there was the second two of these movies arriving um, this week that I did my, my reviews. Uh, one is Evil Eye and another one is Nocturne. Um, the remaining four movies are coming out next year. I don't know when. Uh, but yeah, so we're going to be doing Evil Eye and Nocturne. Um, starting off, obviously, with Evil Eye. So you're going to hear the trailer for that movie right now. Hey. Hey. Have we met? Well, I use that line a lot. <laughs> I'm Sandeep. I love you. Beautiful name. Thank you. Emma, um, I've met someone. Palu, this is such good news. I've been praying for a good man for you. Can you give me his date of birth? You're not checking our horoscopes. Talk to your daughter. Astrology is unscientific nonsense. Hmm. Are you wearing a bracelet? Yes. Good. It will protect you, darling. If you're not careful, bad things could happen. So, tell me about your last relationship. She wasn't who I thought she was. What does that mean? She tried to kill herself. I'm sorry. I didn't mean It's to. okay. These rich, cute, anchored babies. No wonder we've hardly seen you this last month. Is your mom happy? I thought she was. I don't want you to fall in love with the wrong man. Why can't you just be happy for me? Palu, don't take it too hard. Your mother is in a very bad relationship. How bad? He was dangerous. She never really recovered. I don't think he ever went away. He is Sandeep. Sandeep is him. I just have to warn her. Can we please go to a doctor? Leave before it's too late. Mom, you sound like you believe what you're saying. Let us help you. For your own good. She's cursed. I have to save her. This is madness. I pray that my daughter be spared. Ma, you need help. I'm trying to save your life, Palu. I knew if you just met him in person, everything would be fine. And welcome back. So you just heard the trailer for Evil Eye. This one was available 13th of October, which is when I watched it. Available exclusively on Amazon Prime Video Everywhere. This is the third movie in the Welcome to Blumhouse uh, kind of series of movies. Uh, four being released this year, four next year. Um, as a kind of, from what I gather, this is a collaborative exercise between um, Blumhouse's TV production studio 
and Amazon Prime. Um, this one is directed by Elan Desani and Rajiv Desani, uh, based on the Audible original story, I believe, by Mathur Sikar. And um, the movie itself stars... So this is going to be difficult for me, and I do apologise in advance. Uh, Sariti Kahudri, uh, Saniti Mani, Bernard White, Omar Mascati, uh, Anjali Bahimi, and some other folks. Synopsis for this one is... A superstitious mother is convinced that her daughter's new boyfriend is the reincarnation of a man who tried to kill her 30 years ago. Where to begin with this movie? So, my big problem last week when talking about The Lie and Black Box was these felt like almost kind of mini-series TV scripts that had been shortened right down and flung in as a, as a kind of hour and a half movie as a way to kind of capitalise on things. These are all relatively inexperienced kind of first-time directors for the most part. Uh, making their you know their their film debuts, and I love the idea that Blumhouse has given that opportunity out. Um, but Evil Eye is an an eye rolling exercise. In I have seen loads of these movies before, done twenty years ago. Um, this is the kind of this is the when you watch movies like The Gift or to an extent. Stir of Echoes, minus the ghost this time, but reincarnation. Um, what lies beneath, you know, all this. Um, I'm trying to tell you so I can see something from the other side and I'm trying to give you a warning. Um, the interesting aspects about this movie are specifically its kind of... its observation of, like, arranged marriage in, you know, Indian and Pakistani culture. Um... And the effect that that has, you know, in the in the West, when it when it when it's spelled out for you know kids living in America, the the pressures that are put on them by their parents to to get married young to the right family and all, all the rest, and it does that not very well. Um, I, I think that that to me is the more horrific part <laughs> of the story is that kind of pressure that is that is in here. For that, unless the the man was obsessed with you and tried to kill you, part so um, the reincarnation stuff is kind of poorly constructed together. The script is pretty fucking terrible for this one. I mentioned the Bechdel test earlier on. For those that don't know, the Bechdel test is um, a film critique analysis as pertains to female characters in movies that. You know, how many lines does your female character get? Does she only talk about relationships and boyfriends? Um, if she does, it fails the Bechdel test. This movie is one big failure of the Bechdel test because it's constantly a mother's, at first, insistence and um, vehement kind of stringent demands that her daughter find a boyfriend. And then when she finds a boyfriend, it's her kind of stringent environment demands that she drops said boyfriend. So it's all boyfriend talk throughout this entire movie. There's no other concerns here. There's, you know, it's it's like a warp kind of Disney fairy tale to an extent, but just really poorly written. Um, 
And I don't like the conceit of the story, and this is one that I might give away a little bit of a spoiler for. The conceit of this is that the mother is trying to let the daughter grow up strong, but ultimately at the end of this movie, the mother's proved right and the daughter's an idiot. So, I mean, I don't know what we're trying to do here in terms of what's the moral of the story here? That your mother's always right and you should believe your mother or always believe the superstitions you don't. Or I don't know what we're supposed to get from an evil eye at all out with um, the daughter with all her independence and everything she's trying to show to be an independent woman moving away from the anarchic culture of arranged marriages and and, and whatnot that ultimately she fails and the mother's right and the, the, the final fuck you at the end of this movie is the wink nudge that the mum's going to arrange a, a marriage for her with someone else. And I was just like, we've learned fucking... If anything, we are dumber at the end of this movie than where we started when we watched it. Um, of all the Blumhouse movies that have thus far come out through this project, this is my least favourite. This is the one that I think makes the most egregious trappings uh, out of all of them. It is a hodgepodge of ideas you've seen done a hundred times better elsewhere. Um, and I was mildly kind of miffed with it when I finished. I'm, I'm the more I talk about, it, the angrier I get. Um, this one scored the lowest out of all of them. Um, I think overall, I would give this one a two. If I had to think about it now, I'd probably give it a one. But I'll stick with my original grade of a two. It's just. If you know, if Gretel and Hansel was a movie that was weirdly pro-feminist and and gave a really strong portrayal of the female character, this one doesn't. This one sets us back. Uh, yeah, I just really didn't like it. I think it's it has some big flaws and big issues, and it tries. It has as a background something that I think is a really interesting, horrific thing that could be discussed in detail is the effects and pressures that families go through through arranged marriages. I think that is a great idea. And we should be focusing on that and we just gloss over that and move into the the kind of nonsense supernatural world. So yeah, two out of five for Evil Eye. Uh, the next movie we're going to discuss is the final movie this year being released as the Welcome to Blumhouse. This is Nocturne. You're going to hear the trailer right now. Juilliard, congrats, that's incredible. You're thinking of my sister B. She's going to Juilliard next year. What makes Vivian the star? Jules, I'll always be there for you. And you, whatever you are. What if I could be more? What if I could be great? All I need is a chance to prove myself. Moira Wilson was one of the finest musicians ever to grace this academy. We have decided to rerun the senior concerto competition in her memory. I stole Moira's theory book. She carved symbols all over the wall and threw herself out a third floor window. She was brilliant. The competition is a big opportunity. I have to beat her. On vacation. Moira's theory book. I've been reading it, studying it. Assurance. Like it's talking to me. It's taking control. Triumph. You stole my piece. I knew you were jealous. Everybody else does too. Something's up with you, Jules. I won't be there to pick up the piece. 
Music is a blood sport. If you really want that spotlight, you wouldn't let anything get in your way. Not even your sister. Welcome back. So you just heard the trailer for Nocturne. This one came out on the 14th of October and uh, this is the fourth and final movie this year from the Welcome to Blumhouse Amazon Prime collaboration. Like I say, another four movies are due to come out next year. Um, To be honest, if they're of the same calibre, then I ain't going to rush the same way that I rushed to include them on my list this year. Uh, this one is directed by Zoo Quirky, although I'm fairly sure that's not how you pronounce it, but she also wrote the script, or he, I actually don't know, I should double check that before you go any further. Um, yeah, no information, that's not great. Uh, so the movie stars Sydney Sweeney, Madison Eisman, uh, Jacques Coleman, uh, Ivan Shaw, Julie Baines is in here. I do like a bit of the Julie Baines. Uh, Rodney Too, Joni O'Kelly, John Rothman, Brendan Keener, Miles McKenna, Stephen Fuller, E.G. Tannen, uh, some other folks. Synopsis for this one is an incredibly gifted pianist makes a Faustian bargain to overtake her older sister at a prestigious institution for classical musicians. Um. I've been trying to think about this one. With hindsight being as it is, Nocturne is probably my favourite out of the three. The grade might not reflect that, but hindsight's proven a bit more kind to this one. Um, Yeah, the setup here is you've got twins. um, Both of them play piano, have done since we're very, very small. Uh, One of them's a bit more sheepish. Uh, the other one's a bit more aloof, lives the kind of rock star lifestyle of, you know, partying, having sex, drugs, boyfriends, all the rest. Well, she's very diligent and it looks like all the hard work's going to pay off and she's going to get acceptance to Juilliard and that doesn't happen. Uh, her sister gets in instead and so she has to go back to school for her final kind of semester and we follow essentially what appears to be the the older sister, the more gifted one, kind of almost taking pity on her sister. Um, and then the sheepish one finds a book of this kind of prodigy who um, had been at the school before, died under mysterious circumstances. And her book has a series of almost the ninth gate drawings in it. Um, and she starts to realise that once she gives herself over to the kind of Faustian ideas within the book, she, things start looking up her way, she starts getting better at what she's doing, Um, people are more interested in her in general, opportunistic circumstances pave the way through pain mostly, uh, to allow her to get that spot, to you know, go and attend Juilliard herself, but with all these things, inviting the, the devil in, so to speak, has its, you know, comeuppance. 
Um, I mean, this is not a great movie by any stretch of the imagination, but I did like the casting. I, I, I liked that idea. Um, it exists, once again, in a world where you've seen a lot of movies about Faustian packs, um, and, you know, the, the idea of trying to be exceptional in music. The Perfection's a movie that I was thinking of when I watched this movie. Um, obviously, that deals with things in a much darker world. But that idea about the, the levels that you will go to to be perfect at something, the, the, the struggle and the sacrifice that you go to achieve your artistic goals. And I really like that as a concept in the background and how that opens you to potential shortcuts, especially those involving the soul. All that stuff is brilliant. Um, it's a surprisingly subdued movie for its subject matter. There isn't nearly enough in here that you would constitute as horror. Uh, more thriller than anything else. Um, you know, there's a distinct lack of like ghosts coming from beyond the grave to Warner or demons in the background pulling strings. It all appears to be circumstantial. Uh, elements that are happening to forward her to her end goal. There was also this idea of of kind of never being good enough to do something that I really enjoy. That idea of self doubt is something that's is not fully realised in the movie. It's touched upon, and it would have been really interesting if they'd went down that road, um, or even pivoted away from the supernatural to an extent and made this all in all in our head. That could have been really really interesting, but I. I a feeling that this movie's made for a younger crowd and it pivots that way. Uh, there's the usual kind of conceits about boyfriends and all the rest, and I mean, all that stuff is by the by. Uh, and even to an extent, this idea of, and I wasn't sure of their age, but there's there's a, a kind of potential paedophilia or, you know, certainly a questionable involvement with a teacher and a student, um, which kind of raised an eyebrow. But, I mean, it's, once again, with all these movies, if you watch a lot of horror movies, weirdly enough, for coming from the Blumhouse studio, I would have thought they would have went down something a bit more original. With all these movies, you're sitting down watching the movie and you are instantly thinking about three or four movies that have done exactly the same thing as this. Whether it's something a bit more kind of over-the-top and ostentatious, like, uh, you know, The Devil's Advocate, um right down to, like I say, something like The Perfection, which deals with that, that those issues. Um, so yeah, overall, this one, I, I mean, it's instantly better than Evil Eye. Uh, personally, I would say it's about on... on par, well, was on par with The Lie when I watched it. Um, ultimately, where I landed with it was I gave a three out of five... I felt it was okay for what it was. Didn't do much more than that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of felt like... I always felt it was going to go gnarlier than it did. And because it didn't go there, I kind of felt... Like I was just sitting back in my chair going, oh, right, it's this sort of movie. It doesn't it doesn't go exactly where I want it to. It's great to see Julie Benz in the movie. I've loved her since Dexter and will continue to love everything she's in. She plays a really obnoxious fucking character in this one, uh, which I could totally get behind and really enjoyed. But yeah, it's a three. It's probably my favourite out of the lot. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where the next ones are going to take us. I don't know what we're going to get from, you know, the next four movies from Welcome to Blumhouse, but it, it does kind of feel like these are, 
well, this will never make a movie for the cinema, so we'll just dump it here and put it on Amazon. Um, which, if that's what their intention is, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. But this was packaged and served to us as these four hard-hitting horror tales. And I'll be honest with you, the only one that fulfills the horror brief is Black Box. Is the only one that fulfills the horror brief. The rest of them are what I would call thrillers with maybe a little supernatural element here or there. And that's about the extent of it. Very, very, very tame. Um, Blumhouse must try harder. Let's hope that their next four movies pack a bit more of a punch. And we'll see where we go. Right, our penultimate movie review in this episode was the one that we covered on Thursday. This was also a cast commentary screening. Uh, not officially out in the UK yet, but I've got a screener for it. This is Homewrecker. We're coming right back after the trailer. I'm Linda. Oh, Michelle. Nice to officially meet you. Likewise. Aw, cute baby. <laughs> Cunt. When would you want to get this process started? I just need some help getting organized. Let me give you a tour. Cheers. Cheers. Whoa! Listen, I feel really terrible. How can I make that up to you? I, I really have to go. Are you thinking about leaving now? Linda! I get it. Why would you want to hang out with a weirdo like me? Everyone is so fucking fake! I think you're having some kind of breakdown. <laughs> what a crock of shit! I used to be popular! Everyone wanted to be me! Welcome back. So the penultimate movie was Home Wrecker. I watched this one on Thursday. Um, this one is directed by Zach Gainey. Again, I can't pronounce that. Um, isn't officially released in the UK as of yet that I can see. I got a screener for it a little while ago. Uh, so I treated my uh, teapots cast commentary listener people Um viewer folk uh, to a screening of this one uh, this is a horror comedy this one is a short horror comedy about an hour and 15 minutes and you get right through this movie and to be honest it is perfectly pitched because it is a short horror movie idea that plays out at what I would argue is absolutely 100% the perfect length um, this one stars Precious Chong Alex Esso Tony Matthews and Chris Siddiqui. The synopsis for this one is two women befriend each other, but one becomes obsessed with the other. And that's pretty much all you need to know going into this movie. There is a kind of weird, kind of slapstick almost. If you've ever seen the movie that Arrow Films put out a couple of years ago, Catfight, there's a, there's a bit of that in there. It is kind of slapstick, weird off-kilter, uh, specifically odd indie comedy horror movie um, 
and it works really well with that. Alex Esso is like I, I crush so hard whenever I see her in anything now. I think she's a fucking phenomenal actress. Uh, but Precious Chong is the MVP here. Her over the top quirky mania in this movie is unsettling and at times you do feel sorry for her. She's kind of stuck in this bubble that at one point she was the most, you know, popular girl at school when she had all the friends, but life has just not been great and and you see from The Surroundings her favourite movie is one that doesn't necessarily portray women in a strong light. Her favourite board game is this board game from the 80s which is all about, you know, getting as many kisses from hunks to take them to, and she's just this beaten down warped character and as a result she's taken it out on Alex Esso's character of Michelle. There isn't really much more I can go into it. I found the humour great. I thought the performances were brilliant. It's minimalist. It's awkward. It's indie. This is, to me, the the epitome. See, if this played at a festival, this would get fucking a riot of laughs right across the board. And it's, it's quick. And I think that's the strength of this movie is it gets right into it. It gets gnarly and gory to the end with one practical effect, effect in particular, which is just like... Oh, holy shit. Um, which I really, really, really enjoyed. It's weirdly grounded and at the same time so ridiculously over the top. It's hard not to like it. Uh, so yeah, I, I really liked this one. It kind of split the people that were checking it out. Most, I don't think anyone hated it. But most of the reviews were lower than myself. I know that Kate scored it higher. I give it a four. I really like this one. I will buy this one when it becomes available. I will watch it again and again. It is too much fun not to watch. And yeah, a surprise one for me. I expected absolutely fucking nothing from this movie, from the trailer. And it delivered a ton more than I hoped for. So Homewrecker uh, gets a four out of five from me. Uh, We're moving into our last movie. This one was a digital screener. Um, from London Film Festival uh, through the BFI player uh, we are going to be talking about one of the most anticipated horror movies of the year in a non-spoiler fashion I'll be doing a full length review of this one later on in the year when it gets formally released in November I believe Um, but it's time to talk about Brandon Cronenberg's Possessor right after this You have a very special nature when we've worked hard together to unlock. Pull me out. The results are normal. Anything you want to flag? No. No, I'm fine. Mom! Hi, darling. How was your trip? Dull. Extraordinarily dull. Our next contract's a big one. The target is the CEO of the largest operation in the US. He'll be binding to Colin Tate. We can't afford any mistakes on this one. Ready? What's with you today? What do you mean? I'm in place. Can help you? Finish this. What are you doing? I can't pull the trigger. 
I need to know. I need to know what she's done to me. He's become a danger. Where is she? Come out or I'll do it! Sometimes that small thought all it takes to lose control. Welcome back. So this is the final movie review of this 31 of Halloween movies number 8 through 16. This is Possessor. I watched this movie last night. This is written and directed by Brandon Cronenberg. You know, that guy that's related to David Cronenberg. This is David Cronenberg's son. This is his second feature movie. The previous one being Antiviral, which once again, if you've never fucking seen that, go and check that shit out. It is fucking great. Um... This one stars Gabriel Graham, Haneke Talba, Matthew Gerlich, Daniel Park, Angela R- Andrea Reisberg, Jeff- Jennifer Jason Lee, Han Alec, R- Rachel Crawford, Rosif Sunderland, Gage Graham Arbuthnot, uh, Megan Vincent, Christopher Abbott, uh, Sean Bean. Uh, Yeah, tons of folk, tons of folk in this movie. Synopsis for this one is, Possessor follows an agent who works for a secretive organisation that uses brain implant technology to inhabit other people's bodies, ultimately driving them to commit assassinations for high-paying clients. Um, This movie fucking floored me last night. I mean, absolutely floored me last night. Um, I've been very comfortable this year, like almost too comfortable. And off the back of Fright Fest in Glasgow, I got a chance to see Saint Maud, which I know is now out there in the UK, but isn't playing elsewhere at the moment and might not play elsewhere for the rest of the year. Um, but I saw Saint Maud, and Saint Maud was like genuinely, and pun intended, a religious experience to see. I think it's a fucking incredible movie. Um, and it's kind of sat upon that perch safe this year. Nothing's really come close to it. There's been a few movies nipping at its toes, for sure, that, you know, are, you know, top five contention, but nothing really jostling for that top one. And then I watched Possessor last night, and it's going to take time to process, and I'm going to have to watch both those movies again before I do my list. But as it stands right now, um they're pretty much neck and neck. I I fucking adored Possessor. <laughs> like, really, really, really did. Uh, Brandon Cronenberg, this is his second movie. This is his second movie, and he's already putting out this sort of sci-fi horror action, body horror um, action that I thought his dad took several movies to get under his belt with the confidence the cast in this movie is fucking great. Christopher Abbott, who we previously saw in Piercing uh, from last year, the Nicholas A. Pesh movie, uh, kind of Neo Jallo sort of styled movie, um, is brilliant in this movie. Like, absolutely fucking brilliant in this movie. Uh, Andrea Risenborough, who we previously saw in Mandy, is fucking great in this movie. Jennifer Jason Lee, anytime she appears, I love her. I love this kind of 
futuristic concept of hitmen who occupy your body. Um, I thought that was really, really clever in the way it's paired. And there's a in the background this weird sort of power struggle, and I have a distinct feeling I know what the ending is about. It's one of those endings where it doesn't really spell everything out, but there is a glance at the end, which maybe gives you an indication as to where we're going. Uh, so the cast was super strong. The score, oh my good god, was amazing. The cinematography, stunning. There are some shots of pure horror in this movie that will stay with me till I die, I personally think. Some of them like really got under my skin. Um, and you'll know what I mean when you watch it. Just like in- absolutely fucking incredible. Uh, and then on top of that, um, you have a, a really like powerful visual style as well. You know, this one... I was joking on the Facebook group page after this that I could almost imagine myself wanting to run the train on Beyond the Black Rainbow, Mandy, Neon Demon and Possessor. Uh, maybe even shove a little bit of Daniel Isn't Real in there as well for this kind of modern neon kind of landscape. It's something that has a specific dystopian futuristic vibe about it which I just think works incredibly well. I think it, it really, really elevates the story. Um the, the kind of last thing I'll say about Possessor and I want to reiterate this I will be doing a full review of this movie later on in the year so if you're like Duncan I would like to have known more I really don't want to spoil anything until it's out it comes out I believe mid-November in the UK um, limited cinema run um, and then I believe it's all it will be out on Blu-ray in the States about the same time so I'm kind of hoping not long after Blu-ray in the UK although I think I'm going to purchase that uh, 4K UHD American release just because this movie and 4K UHD would melt my tits um, the, this is maybe the most violent movie I've seen in a while in terms of just pure visceral violence painful depictions of violent acts on screen and the practical effects that accompany it are up there amongst some of the best. Now, I believe Dan Martin worked on this one. He does the Arrow video podcast, but he also has done a ton of other movies that you will have seen before. But I praised him last year when talking about Lords of Chaos because I thought the practical effects were incredible and that. It's like he's just brought all that over here and just raised his game another notch. Um, it is unsettling, uncomfortable, and there was two times watching this movie I actually mouthed out the words, holy fuck, um just like stuff that you just don't see in movies uh, Possessor is incredible like absolutely incredible and I've never been so excited to be in a position where I think given the time given the money I think Brandon Cronenberg might surpass his dad and David Cronenberg is in my top three directors of all time I think he's fucking impeccable and the fact that we have his son not only taking the mantle not just doing like rip-offs of what his dad done but updating modernising and putting a new spin on things um, you know like this idea of a kind of cross between scanners and existence but done kind of matrix style and a dystopia all this stuff just like tickles my anus in a way which makes me incredibly happy I think this movie is fucking great it's a five star. Obviously, it was going to be a five star, and that's two five stars on this episode alone. But yeah, the hard part begins now as I try and work out who I put as my number one. Is it Possessor? Is it Saint Maud? And let's be honest, there's still movies on this list that people have told me I'm going to adore. So we'll find out. This this year, all of a sudden, got a whole lot more fucking interesting. Right, so I'm going to take my final break. When I come back, I'm closing out the show right after this. 
You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. And you've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. This has been bonus episode 289. This has been a continuation of our 31 of Halloween series and many reviews. This covered movies 8 through 16 in the collection. Hopefully you enjoyed the mini reviews we gave you. Hopefully it's given you a bit of food for thought, what movies I particularly liked. As always, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts if you checked out any of them as well. We will return next Saturday when we will carry through the next series of reviews from what will be Saturday through to Friday. So another ton of reviews coming your way. Uh, And some heavy hitters to look forward to in that list for sure, including The Relic, a movie that many people have told me I'm going to fucking love. So I can't wait to see. Do we have another one? Another five-star review potentially en route? Who knows? Who knows, ladies and gents? There's a multitude of ways you can check out the show wherever you're listening to right now. Hit subscribe. That way you get the episodes as and when they drop and you get access to the entire back catalogue of 780 plus episodes of Podcasts Under the Stairs. Subscribe to the Teapots Collective so you get the four shows that I do over there for free as well. Visit the website, it's teaputscast.com. You can buy merch to support the show by going to teaputscast.bigcartel.com. We're on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash teaputscast. Alternatively, you can jump across to the Teaputs Collective on Facebook, which is the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash teaputscast. You can reach out and touch myself and the Baz on the twin prongs of social media sexiness. Instagram and Twitter both can be followed at TeaputzCast. The podcast under the stairs will return to you tomorrow as we do the next instalment in our 88 Films Slasher Classic Collection. This time we are landing on disc number 35. This is Alice, sweet Alice. But until then, whatever you are, what the time zone is, and whatever you're up to in this big bad world of ours, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from under the stairs, and I am signing off.